The You Haven't Seen That Movie Podcast is funded by you. Thank you. Support the show by going to patreon.com slash WDM1. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the You Haven't Seen That Movie Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where my guests and I watch a famous movie I've never seen before and discuss it. This week, we're talking about There Will Be Blood, a 2007 classic starring Daniel Day-Lewis. I'm your host, David Lonnie Waters, and in my guest chair today, we have no one. That's right, people. You heard it right. I decided not to have a guest on this week. One, so I guess let me explain why I decided to do something like this. One, I wanted to challenge myself with this podcast. I have struggled a lot to try and find guests. You know, it's not that I don't have any friends with me. It's just that it's easier for me to, I don't know, develop an idea in my head and then you know, reach out to somebody. However, unfortunately, I had to do that in reverse on the way I do the podcast. So I just, yeah, decided to do this on my own. And in this movie in particular, There Will Be Blood, this movie struck a chord with me so much so that I felt I needed to talk about it by myself in more depth uh, than a basic back and forth conversation would be. So whenever I lived in Denver, I watched a lot of movies by myself. I moved away from all of my, you know, family, close family here in North Texas. And I went and lived with my sister and just being in a new area. I'd say that, you know, I get a little lonely, you know, new place, new people. You got to make friends, especially from scratch. You know, I, I didn't know my older sister, but the loneliness drove me to the movie theater. And that's actually uh, where some of my best movie going experiences is. I, I really do love watching movies by myself. I I guess I get to soak it in more. And nobody's really just, I'm, I'm one for, you know, whenever you go into the movie theater with your friends or something, I'm one who's like not to talk really at all. Um, my sis, my younger sister, Wanda, she's very notorious for talking during the movies. And yeah, she's hearing this right now. She's going to be like, ah, damn you, damn you. But nonetheless, some of the movies I, I watched there, I remember probably my favorite one was uh, The Joker. I remember I just had a bad day at work and I had had the transportation system in denver is amazing they literally it's like uber like i could request this bus uh, you know I, d- I didn't have a car while i lived there so but the transportation system was awesome they would literally i would it's like uber you honestly get on your phone and be like yo pick me up right here literally it was like, like i was vip or something <laughs> little lower class but it was it was nice uh, and then i would get a ride to the bus station and or excuse me the train station and you know i go to work and i ride the train into work so i went bus train and then i had to take one more final bus a couple blocks to get to the university that i worked at the university of denver and i uh, just had a bad day and i came back you know did it in the reverse order but whenever you get off the train over where I lived in, uh, it was Southwest Denver in like Littleton. It's actually 
really close to Columbine, but whenever you get off the train there, they actually had an Alamo draft house. And so it was like very convenient. I could literally just like walk like five minutes and then go, you know, have a good time. And Alamo draft house, I love Alamo draft house because it's like they have the rules where you can't talk. <laughs> and uh, I think there was only one other couple whenever I went to go see the Joker movie and it was just, <laughs> they were being a little loud and I was actually maybe myself. I got a little drunk. I had like two or three old fashioned or maybe it was a white Russian, but I just remember having a good old time by myself. It's fun. Definitely while I lived in Denver, I definitely learned to enjoy my own company because I didn't have the other companies. So, but you know, I got the movie. It was a good movie. You know, I like Joker. It's a, I think it has a lot of layers to it. I think it's a, it's a, honestly, I think it's a a thinking person's uh, movie. Like, cause there's a lot of, there was a lot of parallels with, you know, what was going on in our world at that time. And, but, I, I don't know. I also like the darker type of movies. And I think Ashlyn, um, who I had on last week to do Catch Me If You Can, uh, she was telling me about movies that make you think. And I think that The Joker is one of them. But obviously, it's pretty roller coaster, roller coaster-esque, but you have to like actually think about it. And I, th- I think that There Will Be Blood is uh, another great example. Um, and is one of the reasons why I decided to do this solo podcast is it really you have to there's a lot of layers. There's a lot of, as my uh, co-host of the uh, Into the Zeitgeist podcast, uh, Shannon Boffman, she would say that there's a lot of rhetoric behind this. And, you know, if you haven't seen the movie, I really suggest that you stop this podcast right now and go watch it. I think it's a phenomenal movie and, you know, we'll get into it. But yeah, no, it's on Netflix now. That's how I watched it. I actually, I was um, house sitting for a friend not too long ago. Um, His name is Alan. He went out town for uh i believe he went to colorado or something like that which is funny because that's where i used to live and it was <laughs> i fed his dog fed his cat and it was right before i actually had a, a job change recently so whenever i uh it was the weekend before i started i gave my two weeks and then the friday that i was leaving i only had that weekend and then i started on that next monday so it was that weekend and I was just like, I need to, I need to relax because I have been, you know, there's a lot of things going on in the world. You know, I have the podcast, I have two jobs, but during that weekend, especially on that last Sunday, I was like, David, you've been very, very tense. (laughs) You need to relax. It's really hard for me to relax. So when I do turn off my brain, Actually, a movie is perfect for it because, you know, I'm, I'm engrossed in a great example there would be probably. So I was like scrolling through Netflix and, and saw that, um, there was one I came across first. It was called Boogie Nights. Uh, and then I came across There Will Be Blood. The Boogie Nights, it actually, uh, they're both directed by the same person, Boogie Nights and There Will Be Blood. His name is Paul Thomas Anderson. And, you know, to be honest, I, I had known nothing about him, but apparently he's up on the level of like Tarantino and, um, Scorsese and things like that. So, and after watching this movie, I kind of go want to go watch more of his. So I was listening to a podcast recently. I might even put it into show notes. Uh, I think it was, uh, it was called show me the meaning or wisecrack. And, and I really, I love that podcast. They just, you know, dissect a movie and, and kind of 
show them, they try to show the meaning, you know, they talk about it. And it was great. It was great. Listen, they did this episode of There Will Be Blood. And they said they used the, actually, they, they used the acronym PTA. And I was like, what? Okay. I'm like confused. Like apparently people refer to this gentleman as PTA, <laughs> which is funny. But apparently he like centers on like flawed and desperate characters. So actually I'm a flawed and desperate character. So, <laughs> oh Lordy. Anyways. Uh, so yeah, yeah, you know, scrolled across those two and then uh, decided to unwind and watch that movie. And I couldn't have, you know, picked a better one, to be honest. So, you know, what is, what is There Will Be Blood? What is it about? It is loosely based off of a book called Oil by Upton Sinclair. It's about, an, I guess, a kid who was really sympathetic to the plight of American oil field workers at the time and has like a lot of themes throughout about capitalism and things like that and it says that they loosely base it off of it and so that definitely took some liberties you know because i think the book is centered around the boy in the in the book it's centered around this boy who's sympathetic but then you know this movie is all about daniel day lewis's character his name is Dan- daniel plainview i think he's a great case study into the, the human condition honestly and how we operate because i mean everybody's different but there are archetypes so um and i think Daniel Day-Lewis's character, which is funny, Daniel, he's named Daniel in real life. And then his, uh, actually, now that I think about it, he, Paul Dano, the dude who plays the preacher in this, this evangelical preacher that we'll get into, he was cast as Paul Sunday. And uh, his name is also Paul. So it's, it's funny, you know, using the same names. I always, when I think of that, I always think of, um, like, I'm, t- this, this movie is so complex that I need to use my first name so I'm not confused. I don't have to actually worry about that. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So there will be blood. It's about Daniel Plainview. He's an oil man <laughs> and he's basically on a brutal goal to, you know, try and dominate the, you know, oil industry there. And I, I believe it's uh, the, the area was uh, Southern California, uh, is where he was at. I think he kind of jumped all over the, um, Western United States. So they all look pretty drab. It looked like, uh, you know, the back set of the, or the setting of this movie. It's basically, you know, wide open ranges and it kind of brings in the music a little bit. I was uh, right before the podcast, I was, you know, trying to get into the mood uh, to do this and I was listening to the soundtrack and there's a, a great one called Open Spaces. If you search the soundtrack, I actually, let me, let me play a little bit of it. that little piece like it really i don't know it that's one thing i really love about the movie i'll play a little bit more um, a little bit a few examples of what i think is great music within this movie um it's actually uh, funny the dude who did the soundtrack for this uh, was reached out to by pta 
Paul Thomas Anderson. And he was impressed by Radiohead, the lead guitarist. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, he was really impressed with the way that um, one of his pieces was composed. Actually, let me go ahead and find his name. Um, the Radiohead lead guitarist and keyboardist. His name is Johnny Greenwood. And, uh, yeah, really, really enjoyed him. So we brought him on to do the soundtrack. And I thought that was like a really weird connection <laughs> that Radiohead would be, uh, inserted into this some way. So, um, nonetheless. So I guess I've talked about Daniel Day Lewis a little bit. And I want to say, you know, why? Why do I have a drawing to this actor so much? I, th- I think it's in particular because of the, method acting that he does i've always thought of method acting to be a very interesting concept in in the acting world um i actually looked into a little bit there's actually some like actual like science not science behind it but some actual academics behind it and uh people who are more studious than me, <laughs> you know, have developed these, like, I guess it's like a, a, a trinity of, of different skills you need to have. Like it's like behavioral and then facial or, you know, shit like that. So, but nonetheless, I, I'm really, I'm really drawn to him because of that. And it makes me think of Heath Ledger in the dark Knight. the dark Knight rises, I think. Yeah. The one with the Joker, but you know, he took method acting and a lot of others do, method acting as well but Heath Ledger specifically really like absorbed himself in the character and Daniel Day-Lewis did it and Heath Ledger did it they stayed in character the whole time both on and offset or on camera off camera and just to like I guess stay in that mode and I don't know like apparently um the dude who was so Paul Dano he uh was originally cast as Paul Sunday but the director liked him so much that they moved him to a better role. His name is Eli Sunday, still in the same family. They, it's funny. They played it off in the movie as that they were like twin brothers. And then his like twin brother disappears. <laughs> um, so just, you know, it, that's something I noticed whenever, whenever I first watched it, I was like, Oh my God, like, is this the same dude? I guess I didn't catch the names. I was more engrossed with the, the plot or whatever. So nonetheless, uh, this method acting is very interesting. It actually led to, you know, he's, he's like, death and in doing that um i don't i don't you know i don't know the specifics i did look into it a little bit but i always have a real love for people who do that i think uh i think even leonardo dicaprio does that to a certain degree um but i you know couldn't say another movie that i think that Danny Day-Lewis is good and is uh, Gangs of New York. He was actually, there's a funny story about the Gangs of New York. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis was retired and he was actually in, in living in Italy as an apprentice shoemaker. And I can't remember who it was who directed that one, but he like returned to acting or like convinced him to return to acting. And it's actually after this movie, The Gangs of New York, that there will be blood was shot. So, so enough about that. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into the plot. How does it start? You know, it's set in the turn of the century. We start off in New Mexico and Daniel Plainview, he is mining. He actually comes across a, like a vein of silver in the ground whenever he's digging. And it's funny how deep 
whenever you watch the movie, how you see how deep the well is. And I was like thinking like, Oh my God, I think what are we in holes now? Like uh, he's like digging so far down in the ground. I mean, you have to for, you know, something like that, but he actually finds this vein of silver and he gets some dynamite to kind of blow that portion out. And I guess get deeper into the cave, so to speak. He, whenever he's climbing down after the dynamite goes off, uh, he falls and breaks his leg, which is really upsetting, <laughs> especially after you find this like silver vein and like you're like, a, you hit the big bucks essentially. And then you fall down the shaft and you break your leg and you're like, son of a bitch. But that actually didn't stop him. Um, you know, he, it's funny. He landed and he immediately, this even gives you a real insight into uh, Daniel Plainview as a character. Like he falls and he breaks his leg, but, whenever he like comes to he's like he's like oh one fuck like i broke my leg and that's the that's the immediate concern like ow there's a little bit of pain there but he immediately turns his attention to the to the silver vein and and the he picks up this one specific rock that contains the silver and he's like hell yeah hell yeah fuck my leg <laughs> i'm gonna be a rich man son of a bitch <laughs> and you know that tells you the the drive in him it just brings out a portion of his character and it's fun because there's no dialogue at least for the i think it's the first maybe five minutes of the movie um that there's no dialogue is really just him doing this he climbs out of this shaft it looked like in pain and basically goes and drags himself he can't walk he literally drags himself across desert like miles and miles to go to this i guess office that does the mineral analysis or whatever and, and says that they you know got it and uh, that's actually there's a funny shot in it where it pans over to the you know people doing their work in that office and it, the camera pans down to daniel just laying on the floor um with his with hands behind his head you know giving him some um you know support and it's just it's a funny it's funny while all these people are standing up he's just like laying down with his broken leg and so th th i guess that kind of you know kicking things off uh we do a time jump and uh daniel is basically changed from a mining dude uh into an oil person and it kind of it's like really quick snippets of it we kind of we'll get into a town hall thing but after there's a employee that dies um during you see it like glimpses of him holding his child it's just a nameless employee he climbs down into the the shaft it was kind of like a very similar shaft which it really makes me want to look into like the oil industry back in those days and how they operated things because i think uh, honestly i I couldn't imagine anything different. I think they did their research in it, but it was just this other like mine shaft, a hole that was dig. Um, and he went down in it. It's funny. They dropped this like anchor thing down into it. And that's whenever it starts like gushing oil. And they were like, Oh, hell yeah. And this, it's funny. There's a, I think maybe if I put it down in the trivia, actually, I'll save it for later, but, um, he pulls it up and Daniel Day-Lewis is wipes his hand and he's like, ah, oil. And this faceless employee goes into the well and I guess is like starting to get the oil out and uh, some equipment fails. It snaps or whatever. Something is dropped down into the well and it, it, it kills this, this man, blunt force. And that, that's when we get the uh, little child who's uh, now, now orphaned. But thanks to Daniel uh, Day-Lewis, I, I think he was very sympathetic in this part. We'll get into 
he names him HW, HW Plainview. And he is really t- takes this kid and he actually, you can tell us he, Daniel Day Lewis wasn't, or Daniel Plainview was not prepared. There's this portion where he's like pouring alcohol onto the banky of a, of a, you know, milk bottle just so the kid would shut the fuck up. <laughs> Fucking kids. Um, you know, little, little alcohol will do it for you. Um, <laughs> But nonetheless, he actually takes a liking to him, at least whenever he's on the train with him. There's a little, this is whenever this talking of the movie actually starts. Uh, he's like, the little kids try and play with his beard. And Danny Day Lewis, uh, we go to this next scene and he's basically presenting himself to the town and be like, yo, I can, I can drill for you. This is, it's great, great scene. And I, I hope that you have watched it. And there's a, quote that I, I can't get out of my mind. It's like, uh, I'm an oil man. I assume you were, would agree. He's also a family man. He says that a lot too. Um, and in connection to HW, he actually kind of uses Daniel or excuse me, HW. He introduces HW as his business partner. Um, and he helps Daniel kind of present himself as a family man. And at first it's very genuine and you do think that he is, uh, you know, a part of what he does. He, you know, HW is involved at least, you know, there's a portion where he gets injured a little later on, but at least in this first part of the movie, he's very, very involved with uh, everything that's going on. And so HW is kind of tagged along, so to speak. And, I can only imagine what you're wondering right now is like, how does this, you know, how do we get going? Like, what's the, what's the kind of like kicking in point? Like what, when does the story actually start? Cause it, from this point back, it was all context, you know? So what gets it going? Daniel really, he is come to by Paul Sunday, uh, who I had mentioned earlier, played by Paul Dano. Um, I'd never heard of him before, but he, he comes in and basically tells Daniel and his associate, I think HW's like sleeping in the back, but uh, tells him where he can get like a big oil deposit. And he's basically telling him, kind of negotiating with him to gives him the location of it's the Sunday ranch where he lives. Um, it's just like really rife with oil that he even says like seeping from the ground and um, they make a deal and uh, Daniel and HW uh, go to the ranch and, you know, guys it as a, they're going to hunt quail. And um, there's a nice interaction actually whenever they, um, which I can only imagine running up on somebody and back in the old West and be like, yo, like what's your intentions? I would always be very wary of that, but they kind of pass through and they actually give them some milk and, and um, some water and are given dinner towards the end. And, um, they do, you know, do some hunting, I guess there's some, there's some quail hunting involved, but the real intention was to go and find this oil. And whenever they're brought dinner at the end of the night, they're introduced to Eli Sunday, uh, which is the, I guess, opposing figure to Daniel in this movie. And it's very, it starts off, you know, very cordial, but it, you know, quickly turns adversarial so daniel actually after you know doing this and finding this oil um hw actually steps uh, like shooting at some quail and steps on this oil and and shows him he's like hey dad i found some fucking oil over here and daniel goes back to this family and then very cordially at the end of the meal you know asks for the you know the the ladies to leave the room and and it's uh daniel hw 
Eli Sunday, and then uh, the dad, I believe his name is Abel. Uh, there's a lot of biblical names in here, and actually, I, I'll get into it later, but I think there's uh, this religious aspect to the movie. A lot of a lot of parallels, I guess. And Daniel proposes to buy the land uh, from Abel, uh, but he before this, you know, goes on, he tells H.W. that he's going to give him quail prices instead of oil prices, and so he he wants to you know get it for cheap. You know, any I think any but any businessman's always trying to you know try and get the underhand. This is also something that points to Daniel's character is that he's really going to try and undersell and really take any tactic he can in order to, you know, make more money um, and really dominate. So, however, you know, I think Eli is just like his, his brother, twin brother, Paul uh, knew of this oil and knows of the potential that it could, you know, the potential money that it could bring in. And um, after proposing these quail prices, I can't remember the exact numbers, but Eli demands more money in exchange for the right to the property. And he said he's going to use it to build up his church, which the father uh, explains that he's, you know, he provides this service to the, to the, I believe it's called Coyote Hills um, is the place, or maybe that's the beginning part, but, basically has a church here and he's very evangelical uh type preacher but after getting the okay um you know they decide you know make a deal and daniel actually goes and buys all the surrounding properties besides one there's one holdout um he said that his name is mr bandy and he's a he's a holdout he wants to come and talk to him himself and daniel was like okay he's gonna raise his prices if he wants me to come and talk to him and he's just like okay he'll come to me whenever whatever he's desperate or whatever and how does the the drilling go there's another scene that that he's giving his spiel he's like i'm an oil man speech um he does it multiple times throughout the movie i think at these like town halls and he has this this other one and convinces the town to you know let him in or whatever there is uh when the drilling is about to get going whenever the actual like heavy duty work of of you know doing the oil industry like getting the oil out of the ground and, and and transported or whatever eli requests to bless the well and daniel day lewis's character daniel plainview actually he, he agrees to it initially and then um actually like slights him whenever he's like he blesses it himself and he brings uh his sister his younger sister mary um up there and and like dedicates it to her or whatever and like it's really like slight slights him and and Eli doesn't like that and, and Daniel not from the get go with not the get go but especially whenever they were doing the business dealings with him just kind of did not like him because he was he was endangering Daniel's money and he he saw him as an obstacle and so decided to slight him in that way um, and it's funny because he he's the only one who knows him and Daniel are the only ones who know who like that, that slight had gone on. It wasn't like public information. So actually another employee dies. Uh, I think it's the same situation where something falls down into the, the well and he gets hit blunt force and Daniel has to go and inform. He was a member of Eli's church and had to go and inform Eli of getting the, you know, getting the body or whatever and all the belongings that he has back to his family. 
Eli's like, yo, this wouldn't have happened if, if I would have blessed the well. And so he really does blame the situation on Daniel for not being able to do that. And, um, it's a little bit later that Julian gets going. It's, you know, bringing in money. Um, and then Eli actually demands that, um, I believe it was $10,000 that they had originally agreed on, uh, but had yet to pay it, I guess, maybe like a portion of it. Um, and Eli publicly goes after, you know, there's a great, one thing I really enjoy about this movie is the framing of all the shots. Um, they, you know, it's like, it could be like a still and like a fucking like a portrait or like a cell of it. And I put it up on my wall. Like all this framing is just so good. They have, it's fun because they have multiple frames within the same camera cut. Um, and you know, when Eli goes and introduces himself or not introduces himself, goes and, um, demands the money for his church, the, the, the shit that he's been promised, Eli, you know, demands this money and Daniel beats him up and humiliates him, drags him through the mud, literally, um, drags him over to the mud and starts slapping. And he's like, you like, no, 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 no. Like, honestly, there was like a really awkward scene. Um, really chose Daniel's anger really for the first time. And yeah, Daniel beats him, attacks him. Um, and whenever I think it's the next scene, Eli goes back to his, his house and attacks, you know, reciprocates but back on his father and berates his father for trusting daniel in the situation he's like you are a fool god does not save stupid people and he tells his dad this uh, and that's really it's really telling scene of, of also the anger within eli so um it's funny that that's the first parallel that you know you kind of see honestly they're both people who i guess who can blow up and, and it's, it felt like it was bubbling for one both since the dealings of buying the rights to land um, that had kind of been simmering for daniel because he was you know basically made of like caught off guard and, and really shown for the real person that Daniel is conniving, you know, entrepreneur trying to, you know, swindle his way into, into the big times. And after Eli calls him out during that, the business dealings, I believe that those feelings had been simmering for a while and then they just burst forward. And I think it was much less, there was much less time for, for Eli to, to, act and blow up, especially after being humiliated in front of this, like this crowd of people essentially really goes at his dad. And, and there's a, there's a lot of great lines in this movie, but I think the, like God does not save stupid people. I think that's a, that's a hell of a quote right there. Nonetheless. So what happens next? There is a explosion. There was actually a gas blowout whenever the uh, drilling was getting started. Uh, there was a, was called a gas blowout. Um, I, I'm not, no, gee, I'm not a, you know, I don't know what art does. <laughs> I'm just on it. Um, but there's a blowout in the, I guess, fissure that they were getting into to get the oil and, and, um, HW is up there really close to it. And, uh, they were like, Oh shit, it's about to go. And then fucking there's a blowout and it kind of, it's just like a explosion of air or whatever the fuck. And, um, some, I think oil comes out with it. all that pressure within the 
under the earth really like gets it's like a geyser essentially and hw is so close that he gets like knocked off of this like shit and thrown and um he lands and he actually does good filmmaking at this point where it kind of goes the music and everything kind of gets muffled and then it slowly like fades into nothing where you know that this kid has been um deafened by this gas blowout and it's fun there's a that, that's a great sequence of the scene um the gas blowout happens he saves his son and he's like what like what's going on what's going on but there's this like gas blowout and it's like uh it actually gets lit on fire so it's actually more of a problem um apparently you know it was gonna it was gonna burn down everything obviously because oil is involved but basically the he goes and sets down his son in the mess hall and like he's like i'll be back i'll be back and he, his son is just scared hw or his adopted son hw is scared and he's just like okay this is also very telling of daniel he leaves hw in the, the hands of his assistant like makes him pin him down and goes to help or not even help really just to like gaze at the the blowout that was happening uh, it's a great great sequence of uh, literally like flames uh from the i i think it's i'll even put it as the the episode art um of that blowout happening the gas blowout and he's kind of sitting in the chair watching this and there's a great another great quote he's like there's an ocean of oil under our feet i'm the only one who can get at it he's talking to his associate i forget his name but um it's really telling because he literally from whenever he abandons his son to go check on this, he doesn't come back uh, for a while until, until it's done and over the next, I believe it's the next afternoon that it gets done. And he finally comes back and this really, I guess gives HW the feeling of being abandoned. Uh, and I, I, very telling of uh, Daniel's character again. He, he kind of the, from this point on, really the relationship between HW and Daniel really there's a divide that it happened. And so this is when we get to the meeting of um, somebody claiming to be Daniel's brother. His name's Henry Henry Plainview. Um, this dude claims, and he's like, "Hey, you know, I'm here." Um, it really, really gets off the vibes that uh, he really is his brother. You know, uh, mentions his family's farm back when they were younger. Mentions his sister, et cetera, et cetera. And um, they really do, um, after gaining the trust of Daniel, really become close. And and um, there's multiple times throughout the movie that before H.W. eventually is shipped off, he goes to I believe a boarding school or like a like a what do you call it? Not a disciplinary school. Uh, in fact, I can't think of it right now, but they're really close. And, and HW um, gets jealous of this, you know, because he's basically Daniel's ignoring HW because he's not uh, being able to use him in any part of his life. So he, he's not a tool anymore. So Daniel kind of throws him aside and um, aside, like, quote unquote, throws him aside and he's still there, but really gives him no attention. He's kind of more. Daniel's more enveloped in the the building up of his uh, drilling wells or his oil wells and, and things like that. And so HW grows jealous. And actually, there's a, if you watch the trailer for it, there's a great fucking portion. He literally lights the house on fire. He literally like does this line of gasoline, or I don't know if it's gasoline or not, but lights a flame, and it goes right under the Henry, Henry the brother who, who introduces himself, right under his bed. And it's just, you know, 
he's like, oh, I'm getting hot. So he wakes up and he's like, whoa, what the fuck? What the fuck? Our house is on fire. And like Daniel looks at his son, HW, and, and realizes that he's the one who lit the fire. And he's like, oh, I'm going to beat your motherfucking ass, kid. <laughs> and honestly, I, I would too. I'd <laughs> be so fucking pissed. Um, uh, the fire's put out and it's fine. But HW, yeah, he's sent off to a boarding school off in um, San Francisco because of this. I think that was really the tipping point that really uh, pushed Daniel Ias and I think that really just wanted to you know get rid of him honestly this is when we get to uh, Henry is you know um, a part of the business now Henry kind of takes the place of HW while he's away we get into uh, another like side plot of a standard oil there's uh, there was talk throughout the whole movie of them uh, trying to buy up land around this this is a a company within uh, there will be blood called standard oil and they make him an offer to buy uh, his land and then his drilling businesses daniel you know he, he does accept one offer of land um and this dude from standard oil his name was i believe it was hm tilford um he makes a comment on his son and his like ability not to hear and daniel takes that as a slight he's like you you don't tell me how to raise my family like um he's like you can hm tilford he's like to daniel he's making the offer for like millions of dollars he's like why don't you just take it and like go take care of your son and daniel i think one of daniel's things is that he doesn't want to be told what to do um, and honestly, I don't either, but this really sends him over the edge and uh, literally like threatens to slit his, come into his home at night and slit his throat in his bed. And yeah, this Tilford guy, he's like, well, what the hell? That was like fucking all call for. Like I was just fucking commenting on your, your little kid and that you should, you know, hope he gets better or whatever. And, um, he's like, you don't tell me what to do with my family. And it really just, he's really ticked off. Um, you know, walks out and. Opposition to that makes a deal with another company in this world, uh, Union Oil, to build a pipeline so they can stop doing all the shipping costs that they would have to do with a train and things like that. This holdout from before, his name is William Bandy. He actually it prevents him from building this pipeline, and he goes to this William Bandy. He's not there. He, he he's away at the moment, and uh, Henry and him actually start kind of mapping out where the right through the land they didn't even notice this one kid i guess uh, william bandy's kid who was there didn't even notice him like lining out the marks for the pipeline as they go and i think they they end up going you know east somewhere it doesn't specify but throughout this journey um he you know continues to to get close to his brother henry and there's one moment where I think that they go swimming. They get done with this little trek of, of mapping out where the pipeline was going to go. And they go swimming and in the ocean. And that's when uh, his brother, Daniel, mentions this dance that they used to go to when they were kids. And he sees that Henry doesn't react in the same way um, as he should have, I guess, with the mention of, I think it was like peach tree dance hall or something like that. Um, at the mention of this, he sees Henry not light up. And apparently I guess his brother and him shared a special memory of this place. And he was like, okay, then he starts to grow suspicious of, of Henry and uh, thinking that he's not his brother. And there's a, 
I think before the egg goes sour, there's this great scene um, where it really gives the, really shows the true character of of Daniel Plainview. Actually, let me go ahead. I'm gonna go ahead and play the clip for you. Uh, that little speech. I have a competition in me. I want no one else to succeed. I hate most people. That part of me is gone. Working and not succeeding. All my uh, failures has left me. Uh, I just don't care. Well, if it's in me, it's in you. There are times when I, I look at people and I see nothing worth liking. I want to earn enough money I can get away from everyone. What will you do about your boy? I don't know. Uh, maybe it'll change. Does your sound come back to you? I don't know. Maybe no one knows that. Doctor might not know that. Where's his mother? I don't want to talk about those things. I see the worst in people, Henry. I don't need to look past seeing them to get all I need. I've built up my hatreds over the years, little by little. Having you here gives me a second breath. I, I can't keep doing this on my own. With these um, people. <laughs> I have a competition in me. That's very apparent, <laughs> you know, at this point in the movie. Daniel is really just kind of reiterating what us as an audience have kind of pulled is that, you know, he's a man of competition and then laughs and which is really maniacal. Um, I don't know if, uh, you know, I, I share a, a little bit of sentiment of, you know, hating people and, and the stupidity of it all. You know, I work in, I have worked in customer service before, so I know exactly how that goes. I'm sure you as an audience uh, definitely know some real world realities like that, but his was almost like uh, psychotic. So, but, you know, like I said before, Daniel grows suspicious of his brother after going, you know, after the mention of that dance hall and that following night, he just like really like it really like snowballs from that point. And he's like, he, his brother Henry gets drunk and he's asking for money because um, they're having a good time at the bar or whatever. I think this is not tall, not too long after that, that scene or whatever, him explaining himself. And at night, while Henry's sleeping, goes up to him and kind of calls him out. He at gunpoint, you know, holds a gun to him. He's like, he, yeah, Henry admits it. He's like, yeah, your real brother, he died of TB. Uh, he admits that he had took his journal and that he was, he impersonated him to get this job. And which is really actually back then probably really easy to do. But Daniel, after the mention of this, I think he asks him, what's the name of the farm that was right beside 
his farm when they were younger and he didn't know and he was like i caught you bitch and daniel don't like that he don't like being lied to and daniel kills him literally turns his head and just pops one right there takes a grave buries him right there and this is a part where you see daniel actually kind of come apart a little bit he reads his brother's journals that he that henry had brought henry is the name of his brother but this man who impersonated him uh, brought the same journal along this is how he got all that information and sits there, drinks himself, and uh, weeps while reading uh, his brother's journal. Um, this is like kind of, I, I guess maybe his brother was, maybe that's why he kind of taken to Henry is just he wanted, it says it in that, in that speech that if it's in you, then it's in me. And I, if, he said that it was kind of like a second breath for him being there. And so he must have had a really like tight relationship with his brother prior, which really makes me want to see what happened before the, the start of the movie. Whenever he's, you know, in the silver mine, I wanted to get a little bit more backstory into Daniel and, and his dealings with his brother. I think that would have been a little nice, but so I guess like, the, I guess you're curious, like, I guess how this progresses and, and Daniel, he wakes up, after this night of killing and weeping and drinking and the holdout bandy shows up with his son and says like, yo, like we can make a deal. You have to repent from your sins that Eli Sunday had mentioned. I Bandy was a person in the congregation of Eli's church and said that if Daniel like publicly repents, that he will in exchange give him the opportunity to build the pipeline. And that's the only way that Daniel's going to be able to do that, uh, build that pipeline and get his money, then he's going to do it. And he sure does. He goes to Eli's church with him and kind of gets baptized. He says that he was baptized, but I guess he wanted to go do it again at the, the Church of the Third Revelation is what it was called. He goes and he's like, Eli asks, is there any sinners and um, anybody want to be saved? And, you know, classic, you know, at the end of the service, anybody who's like... At least I grew up Baptist. Like they would do that all the time, but uh, brings him up. I guess uh, maybe I failed to mention the cult-ish nature of this evangelical church. He's really like a like, oh, I'm gonna bring the devil out of you. Out of you. And there's a moment where he talks to this one older woman. He's like, your poor hands, they got arthritis in them. Let me get the devil out. <laughs> and he like sucks the devil out of the hands and like casts him out out of the church. And, and it's funny the camera kind of plays the like the pov of the supposed demon and it's actually a really great scene and actually convinces daniel that he's just a fucking loon and daniel goes up there to be baptized and is made to say i i've abandoned my boy and it's a great another great scene it's fun it's it's actually quite interesting i was watching the scene before i got on here and they had talked about it in that show me the meaning podcast by wisecrack and i don't really know the extent of what daniel was feeling in that moment but he was made to get on his knees and really kind of i think eli even knew that he was doing this because of that to get the pipeline construction because he after daniel humiliates eli in the mud basically puts his face in the mud is getting his chance to get back at Daniel and literally slaps, slaps the shit out of Daniel like multiple times. And I'm uh, just like <laughs> under the guise of I'm slapping the devil out of you, <laughs> but it makes Daniel say like, I, you know, I'm a sinner. I've abandoned my boy. I've, it makes him, he's like, say it again. He's like really quiet at this moment. 
but anyway, back to back to my point. I think that I I know that Daniel is doing this for the point, but there's a moment whenever he makes him say that line, I've abandoned my boy over and over again, like in increasing volume that I think maybe this is like Daniel, he actually regrets it at this moment. But he, he snaps back to it because I, I even think you see it there's a like a small grin on his face he's like okay i fooled these people i'm gonna put on a show that i'm really like i'm really saved or whatever and he's like i think even like towards the end he mumbles something under his breath about yay the pipeline's coming good uh something he's really under his breath i actually had to rewind it a couple times because i wasn't sure what he said but because he did that pipeline construction starts and hw actually comes home and there's a there's another great scene where the standard oil guy agent tilford who kind of slided him before during that business dealing um goes to the same restaurant as hw and daniel it's funny they have a whiskey and steak like really classic <laughs> turn of the century dish and the son hw has milk and, and steak and really daniel kind of starts to lose himself because he's like he's not holding himself to i guess that perception that he would want especially the people in this restaurant because he he like literally gets up he's like you see that's my that's my boy over there he's good can't you see him he's good and like literally like just totally looks like he's drunk just like standing over him he actually takes the shot off the table and takes one of the shots that the group of standard oil guys had ordered and puts his face over this napkin so hw couldn't see what it was saying and it's just mocking this dude hm tilford and which is a, a great scene great scene just shows really another daniel's very petty and after after being slided by this uh standard oil guy was had decided to just not not deal with it anymore um, I don't want to take too much more time, but Eli, he lives through the missionary. Um, and this is, uh, we, we're kind of, well, just when we time jump again, there's a lot of time jumps in here. But H.W., he grows older. He marries e Mary Sunday, Eli's sister, younger sister, named after the, or the well was named after her or whatever. Grows older. We kind of time jump and they're older and he's, meets with his father, um, after putting in this pipeline and, and things like that, he's become a rich man. Uh, however, a lonely, lonely man meets with his father in his like extravagant mansion and wants him to dissolve the partnership between the two so he can start his own independent drilling company in Mexico. And Daniel, after hearing this, really gets mad. He He's not his son anymore. His, he says it. He's like, you're my competition. I believe he says it. He's like, you're my competition now. Like, um, and I can't, like, he gets mad over that. And actually, it's really fucked up. He, and has crazy, we time jump and I think you can just tell that Daniel had continued down this path of, of drinking and just being a, a, I don't know, narcissistic person, um, as that speech from before really showed. And, um, you can tell that the years he continued that through the years and you see like the ruggedness that this alcoholic oil man magnate or oil magnate had, it took a toll on him basically. And he mocks HW after, after hearing this and hearing that he's going to be trying to become competition and, uh, says, reveals to him that he's an orphan, uh, from a dead employee and, 
says that they're glad they're not related. There's a, there's a, a quote. He says, you're just a bastard from a basket. Just a, literally as he's walking out, HW, he, he just says, you're a basket in a basket. There's a, there's multiple times, uh, multiple things throughout that whole thing where he's like, he, he mocks even the interpreter, like the sign language interpreter. He's like, uh, talk to me instead of like through your dog woof 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 it's like really weird um and hw really he talks it's like in that like you know broken ish like he hasn't been speaking for a while to be honest um like he still had the ability to he just hadn't used that those muscles in so long um that he kind of tells his father he's like yeah you're you're crazy i want to get out of here and really walks out as he's walking away just still mocking him bastard in a basket you meant nothing etc etc and just shows how how far down the rabbit hole daniel has gone and so let's kind of close out this is where we're kind of wrapping up the movie there's only one final scene and this is when eli eli sunday after his leaving for mission work comes back and he actually reveals that he's a radio host eli visits daniel in his large mansion <laughs> daniel's passed out on in the middle of this bowling alley and they kind of have a conversation and he wants he was given the money or whatever that's how he was able to go do this missionary work or leave to go do his things like spread the word of his third revelation church and he said he wants to like sell a portion of his family's land or whatever i can't remember it feels like they've been going back and forth about this land this whole time and and officially wants to sell the rights to his family's land i guess his dad had died so he officially had that that power now and daniel agrees he's like he agrees but uh, only if eli announces that uh, denounces his faith and his credibility and there's a great quote he's like i'm um i am a false prophet God is a superstition. That's the, that's the quote. I am a false prophet. God is a superstition. Makes him do it. Honestly, it feels like he was humiliated also in the church and, um, Daniel's getting back to, back at him for this. He makes him repeat it over and over. He's like, I, I am a false prophet. God is a superstition. And really, like, uh, this is a, a really big speech from, from, Daniel at the end, uh, he, he's like, I'm just kidding. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, get you the rights because it's all dried up. Um, he uses this milkshake metaphor. He says, uh, I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. And it's funny, you know, I actually want to talk about this line for a second because I had, for the, I had heard this for a long time. Like, I had heard this line. I didn't know it was from this movie, but I had heard that my, my good buddy, Bill Wright, who, was um the first official episode of the podcast we did scarface together he would always talk about this line he would use it in like a a very like comical manner and i uh, always laughed i always laughed and i i talked to, i reached out to him um whenever i th- i was thinking about doing this and he was i was like dude do you know this movie like it, it has that line from um, I showed him the scene. I was like, dude, it has the line that you always used to say. And it cracked me up all the time. Um, and he was like, Oh, okay. Like he went, did some research and he actually, he found there's a SNL skit that I guess the movie had released. And, and shortly after they did this SNL skit where he just was, Bill Hader, he makes fun of Daniel Plainview and he just like has a huge straw. He's like, I, I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. And there's a, 
a funny skit about that, but uh, basically uses this this line to describe the you know all that oil under the ground had been sucked dry. You know, he he had been there for there's multiple time jumps that kind of just sucked earth dry from you know the neighboring wells. Explains that it's what what. Eli's offering is worthless uh, because, you know, those other neighboring neighboring wells had kind of tapped that oil reserve and it's worthless now. This is when Eli confesses that he's lost money and he's um, kind of strayed from his moral path and is like honestly begging Daniel to for some type of money to help him out. Um, he said he would have turned to God, but he wasn't providing. And so he turned to Daniel and I'm sure this just inflates fucking Daniel's ego. And he starts to chase him around. I can't remember. He starts to bully his. Actually, I saw the quote earlier. Let me go ahead and play that little clip right before. You're not the chosen brother, Eli. It was Paul who was chosen. He, he found me and told me about your land, which is to fall. Why are you talking about I did what Paul. your brother Don't couldn't say this broke to me. you and I beat you. It was Paul who told me about you. He's the prophet. He's the smart one. He knew what was there and he found me to take it out of the ground. You know what the funny thing is? Listen, listen, listen. I paid him $10,000 cash in hand. Just like that. He has his own company now. Prosperous little business, three wells producing $5,000 a week. Stop crying, you sniveling ass. Stop your nonsense. You're just the afterbirth, Eli. No. Slithered out on your mother's filth. No. They should have put you in a glass jar on the mantelpiece. Where were you when Paul was suckling at his mother's teeth? Where were you? Who was nursing you, poor Eli? One of Bandit's sounds. That land has been had. Nothing you can do about it. It's gone. It's had. If you would just you take this lease, Daniel. Train it. Train it, Eli, you boy. Drain dry. I'm so sorry. If, if you have a milkshake, and I have a milkshake, and I have a straw. There it is. That's a straw, you see. Watch it. My straw reaches across the room and starts to drink your milkshake. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. Don't bully me, Daniel. Uh- he says, uh, don't bully me. It's after the milkshake line. He's like, don't bully me, Daniel, just like he did whenever when he was out in the mud and in the front of all those people. And he says, don't bully me, Daniel. And Daniel freaks out, uh, throws him across the, the bowling alley and starts to tr- really like chase him and like, you know, like he's going to hurt him and, and kind of humiliate him and beat him like he did before. And he says, do you think your song and dance um, and your superstition would help you, Eli? I am the third revelation. I am the one the Lord has chosen because, you know, 
seems that you know Daniel has it all, and it's scary. He runs over, throws a, a couple bowling pins at him, and then um, actually you know hits him in the back. Looks like it knocks Eli out, and you can see Daniel stand over him for a couple seconds. He's like, "Okay, here we go," and uh, hits him over the back of the head with the with the bowling pin a couple times after he was knocked down and kills him. And the butler comes back and he says, that's the you know finishing line of the movie. I'm finished. It, which <laughs> signifies the end of the movie. And I just, I, I, I guess while I'm thinking about it, I want to bring up the fact that I think this title of the movie is a great, great title for this movie. I just, I, I can't think of anything else that I think there was mention of it being something, the title of the movie being something else, but I think this one really, there will be blood is one. There's a connection with oil, oil being the metaphor of uh, blood being equal to oil. Um, it's a great, great title. You literally like, you, I think it's a great piece of marketing material, honestly. Like, Oh, like, Oh, there's going to be blood. Oh, I want to go see that. movie. <laughs> like, you know, people, Americans at least like we love the violence in the movies and maybe it was intentional. Maybe it was not, um, in that marketing aspect, but I don't think they could have chose a, a bigger one. Cause literally it's at the end of the movie that, you know, there will be blood. We had to wait, sit through a whole two and a half hours. I think it was, but yeah, at least you got the blood at the end. So, <laughs> so that's, kind of yeah the end of the movie and let me go ahead i I wanted to talk about a few things in regards to it um uh, definitely the themes Uh, this movie is very intense with the themes that it has and uh, you know the themes of capitalism the themes of uh, religion and and this family faith um i i think all of these are you know great parallels and i think i think the one that maybe i want to point out is that maybe even with the title, there will be blood. Blood is, like I said, you, I think blood is a connection and we have the, the family aspect, him, HW, uh, same with Eli and Paul, uh, being a family as well. And even maybe the relationship that Eli and Daniel shared may be it adversarial, still the, you know, a relationship nonetheless. This blood connection, I think it's also, one with the family, but then also I think think the blood stands for oil. There's a the blood of the earth, essentially. That's I guess what I'm trying to get at. So it, there's just a lot of, of different I don't know things to pick out of this movie. I think you can see the duality uh, between, or excuse me, the parallel between uh, Daniel Plainview and Eli Sunday. That they are both very driven people. Um, however, they each approach it a different way. Daniel being very straightforward. Eli being a more undertone, I guess, incite the masses esque with his, you know, with his preaching. He really he, he does, and he doesn't believe himself, which is, I think, even like hypocritical. Definitely, especially I hate evangelical preachers, but uh, you know, one who isn't in for it, you know, uh, <laughs> makes it honestly even worse. But I think this movie's a fable. And what greed can do to somebody, or even that, um, the buildings up of, I, I said it earlier, maybe even the narcissistic, narcissistic thoughts that, that Daniel has. And it's a fable for not, 
not to stray too far down that path, as I think that even maybe the proximity of these people being close by or these even, you know, people in your life, I'm thinking about people in my life and then people in your life even, that kind of vibes are a thing. Like they really, they, you know, people latch onto these and they pick up on these like frequencies of our, I mean, it's like mirror, mirroring somebody in like psychology, you know, like you just pick up on the, I don't know, feelings, the thoughts of people around you. And I think, I, like I said, I think this is fable is to, Stray away from that because you can see that the path that it leads down this, uh, especially in Daniel's case, you know, being, you know, pushed everybody away, um, you know, not liking people, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I think, I think that greed definitely plays a portion into that. I think it's, but I think maybe even it's a fable in to why maybe those ideologies don't work. Um, I think it's a, a case study, it, you know, it being a movie, it's kind of, you know, written to uh, bring those feelings out. However, you know, maybe even individual ambition, like that's a good thing, but can, it can also be a bad thing. And, um, I wrote down here, I put the quote that I, I had written. It just, I think I heard it from somewhere and I apologize. I can't remember exactly where. I think maybe it was a review. I'll have to pull it up, but it's like looking at this movie really makes you look at the worst parts of yourself and it really has you sit with those thoughts throughout, especially like uh, I say, um, the last uh, third of the movie, it really makes you sit with the worst parts of the human condition and, and the, I guess the negative dealings of it. And so, yeah, just those were a few like high point things that I could just kind of wanted to point out, but let me go ahead and get into, I guess my likes. Um, my friends I'm sure are very upset with me because I have over these last this, uh, over this last month, I've been like talking about this movie over and over. Cause it's like a, it's funny. They're like, David, you're just crazy. Like he just, nobody has seen this movie, which is really, uh, I'm sure a lot has, but I, I suggest please go watch it. Um, because they, they have been hearing me just gush about this movie. And so, uh, but what do I like about it? I, I love, I, I said it earlier. I like the framing of the shots. Uh, there's a great shot of Eli heading down to Daniel and to get this money. Uh, this is whenever he puts his face in the mud. There's a great frame of a, a pipeline going to this, I guess, like sand pit. And this is where they collect the oil before they, you know, package it, I guess, uh, this is the word I'm trying to package it. Like, I don't know, logistics, pack it up, you know, put it on the train, et cetera, et cetera. There's a great where it's just like a pit and it's just the oil and him walking down beside that pipeline. This is a great frame. I wish I could pull that and I don't know, get a, get a portrait on my wall. It's just so great. I love there's, the whenever the blessing of the well was happening, this is a great frame. It doesn't, I think it cuts a little bit, but it shows Daniel putting his hand on this like plywood railing and uh, just great framing with people in the back. I think this is whenever the blessing of the well was happening. And, um, there's multiple, multiple instances. Uh, I was watching a YouTube video. I wish I could find it where they talk about the number of camera cuts in between all of these and that there was i said earlier like there's multiple frames that can be pulled out of a single camera shot and i think it's just it's nice it's it's very cinematic like i really that, honestly it makes me want to go do movies because uh, i i love like 
they were talking i was talking earlier about paul thomas anderson and then like scorsese and tarantino it's just it makes me want to go do these things because I, I i see these great great like cinematic uh well get on the music next but just these great cinematic techniques that are used and it really makes me want to go to movies now so i'm a producer maybe i can i can go outside of that maybe i can make like a like a blair witch project which i haven't seen um ask movie about i don't know <laughs> something crazy uh, i mentioned it just a second ago let's get into the music i love this movie i played a few portions of it and i think on each thing i'll i'll stitch it in the i love this music this it's called the soundtrack i think the one it's called future markets That's what it's called. It's like bum 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 bum. Love, love. It really it it gives me like really horror movie vibes, and and I don't know. It makes you it makes you uneasy. It gives you the uneasiness feeling of a horror movie. However, it's all about Daniel and and Eli and their relationship and this greed and this, um, I guess animosity that builds and it, it really the music fits so well there's i mean there's it varies definitely it's like uh orchestral you know the dude from radiohead being that person who is leading it um there's one called wide open spaces and i think it really it's like i'll here i'll play a little bit This music really, like, I think in my mind, I really love classical music. I love just, uh, I don't like any singing. Um, I mean, I do, I do, but uh, something a soft spot in my heart is the orchestral nature. Like, I, I would love to go see an orchestra. I've yet to, but um, maybe even for like, I think my friend Bryn did the Pokemon podcast, uh, asked me to go to this Lord of the Rings one one time, and maybe it was Harry Potter. I don't know, but I, I just love the orchestra and I love. I'm not musically inclined at all, but that's, um, I really enjoyed that. And one thing I did want to point out that, that one, the, uh, future markets, the, here, let me play it again. Uh, this one, uh, it reminds me of, there's a great YouTube video, please, um, youtube it i think it's uh, you can really just type in horror music instrument and it brings up this like crazy contraption that somebody had made up and it's patented uh for like people who make horror movies to get these like really eerie sounds and oh it's so cool i just like uh, anytime i i hear that that little 
snippet I think of this um, instrument that's used, and uh, I just makes me maybe I should do like a, a horror thing <laughs> for my video or for my movie. I love storyboarding, so maybe I'll get into it. But um, to continue on, I think uh, that um, Daniel Day Lewis and his method acting is just a, a perfect, perfect. I love it. It's it really shows off Daniel Daniel Plainview's psychological state, and that Daniel Day Lewis can put himself in this method acting um, and really capture the essence of. I guess I would really put him in the, like, he's a narcissist and he just really hates everything and hates people, sees nothing worth liking his words. Um, and that he really like invokes somebody who really has lost their marbles. Uh, when you get to the end of the movie, like really you see the progression of his character from the start and, you know, a humble, not humble, but like, really hardworking person who with the finding of the silver mine, this is the beginning finding him so driven and then jump to the end of the movie when he's killing somebody. And I don't even think he was planning to kill him during that time, but really just wanted to like, I don't know, get his point across and that he's better than Eli. So it, it's fun to, to see Daniel from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie. So Daniel, great, 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 great. Uh, dislikes. I really don't, I don't have many. It is a little long. Uh, that is my only complaint. I did have to, whenever I was watching it originally, uh, while house sitting, I had to stop the movie. I drove home and then I, I uh, started back up. I think it was like in that, I think halfway through the movie that I, I watched and then went home and, and was laying in bed and watching it before I had to go to work the next day. So, uh, only complaint, but I think this movie is a classic. Um, I don't think I would have done a solo episode if that was the case. All around great actors, great, great rhetoric behind this movie. I really could not recommend it more to you. I, Let's go into the next word, the least important character. I think that is definitely Paul Sunday, um, Eli's brother, played by the same person. Um, he was really only in uh, the movie to tell Daniel about the oil reserve on his family's farm. And then he mentions him at the end. Uh, his brother like compares Eli to his brother, his more successful brother, um, twin brother, excuse me. And that he's like, he's just a piece, Eli's a piece of shit for not living up. That he really, that's the only two things that he, he's used for in the movie. And, uh, so yeah, Paul. <laughs> okay. It's funny. It's funny the, how they like Paul Thomas Anderson wanted to use him for the main character. And so they just made them twins. I, I, when I think about that, I think that's crazy. Um, I think that there's definitely a few, standout moments i think that uh the death of his fake brother him realizing that his brother's fake um has been faking it i think that's a great saying i think uh like right before that he told he really gives the really shows his character in that little speech whenever he was talking to henry that he he sees nothing worth liking in people and that he wished he could just get away um from he's like i can't keep doing this with these people and he laughs and like i said laughs really maniacally that that leads into uh, another one of my standout moments is that each one of daniel's speeches there's one at the beginning where he's i'm an oil man 
and I think the gla- the gas blowout, um, whatever HW is deafened, he, I think that's another great part. Really shows um, how Daniel is more concerned about the money than it is. he is uh, his own family, be it orphaned uh, or adopted family. Excuse me. Okay, let's get into uh, I uh, the trivia portion, uh, the last segment. I won't keep you much longer, but uh, it says Dylan Frazier, um, the dude who played H.W., uh, was not an actor. He was an elementary student near the film's West Texas shooting location. Radio program Fresh Air with Terry Gross, Paul Thomas Anderson told Gross that when production when the production was trying to convince Dylan's mother to allow Dylan to be in the movie, the mother uh, wanted to figure out who Daniel Day-Lewis was. Uh, so she rented a copy of Gangs of New York in which Daniel plays a murderous gang leader named The Butcher. She panicked <laughs> um, at the idea of her son spending time with the man of that movie. So they actually, the casting department for... Um, there will be blood sent a copy of the age of innocence, uh, another movie that Daniel day Lewis is in where he plays like a civilized gentleman, um, like rush, like rushes this, this copy over since they could convince the lady that her son could be in the movie and play HW. So was, I, I thought that was really funny. Um, there's also this other one, which I, I stopped myself from, uh, saying earlier, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson told Entertainment Weekly magazine that the fake oil used throughout the movie included, quote, the stuff that they put in chocolate milkshakes at McDonald's, unquote. And I was like, oh, my God, that is so crazy. I was like, you could have fooled me because that looked like oil. Definitely. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like, if if they put that in McDonald's chocolate milkshakes, I'm never getting a chocolate milkshake again. There's a moment where I think it's right before the um, nameless employee dies at the beginning, uh, HW's actual dad, uh, that Daniel pulls up this, uh, rod that they had dropped into the ground and like, like slicks his hand across it. And that shows, uh, like the, like oil. And I was like, Oh, I'm thinking back on that. I'm like, Oh my God, I would never, if that is that's using chocolate milkshakes, no fucking way. No fucking way. I can't do it. <sighs> Everyone. So I think that's really all I have. Uh, it's funny. I, I've <laughs> talked to, talk to y'all for about an, an hour, hour 20. Um, cause I don't know. I just had a lot to say about this movie. Um, and so firstly, yeah, I want to thank you for listening to this week's episode of the, you haven't seen that movie podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. Cause I certainly did. And check us out. Uh, we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash WDM one, uh, subscribe to our Facebook or Instagram. I am at, on Instagram at Wawa waters, W a W a waters. I also want to recommend you that you like rate, uh, review and share if you really enjoyed uh, we also have a voicemail and we also have another podcast and says i guys really check that out i think after we hear this podcast um there will be blood i think the next one that's going to come up i think is lime now we did limewire i think the next one's going to be king of the hill um so that'll be a good one uh the links are in the show notes so go ahead and uh, check it out there but other than that See y'all next week. Bye-bye. The You Haven't Seen That Movie Podcast is a bi-weekly podcast recorded in the DFW, Austin, and San Antonio areas in the state of Texas. The podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by me, David Lonnie Waters.
All of Waters Media's shows are funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash WDM1. The following person has subscribed to our highest tier, the producer level tier, and for that we are eternally grateful. Sharon Bothman.